Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Bluff Council podcast. My name is Keith, and in today's episode, a viewer request from my best friend, Kevin Lovell. That's right, not Everett. If you love talking about films as much as we do, then definitely subscribe to our YouTube channel or any place you get your podcasts. As always, thank you for listening, and please enjoy this episode. It's late at night. It is. You're sitting alone. Set this stage for me. I'm surrounded by friends. <laughs> hello, hello. It's great to see. I'll be there. I'll be there soon. You, you're we're about to talk about a, a pretty heavy film. Please. Yes, yes. That's all I got. <laughs> I told you, I'm, I'm not feeling great. <laughs> I'm a little uh, under the weather. Gonna have to carry the show again. Carry uh, the show. Here, I'll get my wind. I'll get my you'll, wind. Here. You'll figure it out. Just sit tight. Yeah. Hey everyone, welcome. You're with Daddy now. This is a, uh, a viewer recommendation, right? Let's still get to the, it is. the mentioning at the top of the program with uh, the, the person who recommend this is uh, legitimately my, my best friend in, in the whole universe. Uh, it's, I've never felt closer to a human being ever. Uh, I've never talked more, uh, <laughs> shared more bonds with. Uh, <laughs> uh, Great. That takes so much pressure off of me. This is awesome. Kevin, thank you. Kevin, thank you, Kevin. Uh, Kevin, I, I've known Kevin since I've been 10 years old. I mean, uh, we've done many films together ourselves. Insert some clips of terrible films that we've done together. Yeah? Hey, I had two pizzas here for the new boys in town. We didn't order any pizza. Sorry. This is the right address. This is your pizza. How much is it, then? How much is it? Yo, is this the house with the dead bodies in it? All that said, I have never been more disappointed in Kevin because I was 100% sure when he said, oh, I'm going to suggest a film, it was going to be something with dinosaurs or pirates. I was <laughs> 1,000% sure that it was going to be dinosaurs or pirates. And he picks this film. And the film I would like to submit today is 2007's Before the Devil Knows You're Dead. Star-studded cast, including Philip Seymour Hoffman. Ethan Hawke, Marissa Tomei, Rosemary Harris. I love all her stuff, by the way. Uh, directed by Sid Lamette, who seems to have done a whole bunch of crime courtroom type stuff that I have not seen. Uh, the one film I have seen of him, though, is The Wiz. Um, I love that movie. Um, I might do a request on that one next, actually. Like, the deepest film the, this hardcore, gritty, grounded drama that is uh, Before the Devil Knows You're Dead, I believe is the... Before the Devil Knows You're Dead. Before the Devil Knows You're Dead. Are we good? I don't think so, no! I, shut up! It's too late to think. This is our future. I was shocked. I was... Knowing Kevin. I was surprised too. I was. I don't even know Kevin hardly. I mean, we're pretty close. We we have a we have a bond. You do. You are developing a friendship that I truly hate. <laughs> I wouldn't say it's unspoken because we speak. About yeah. It. I just want to say what an honor it is to finally talk to you, Ev. I mean, I've seen your whole body of work, and I just think you're great, Keith. Hey, if uh, you talk to Ev, can you just tell him I say hi or? I don't know, I think he's cool, but don't be weird about it. I was surprised. I thought, oh, he's gonna pick something that's funny for us to like laugh about. 
and he picked literally the least funny film we've ever talked about. <laughs> yes, <laughs> this was, yes, the grittiest. Oh God, it's it's crazy. I, I, I so I'm just I'm, so Kevin, fuck you. I think I think he did it. I think he did it because he knew that it would just make me sad for two hours. Yes, yeah. and and that's the only yeah. thing. I could that's imagine. Why I, that's why I suggest a lot of films to keep. It's it, it makes me it makes me feel good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. 2007 film, mm-hmm. uh, the last film in a in a long interesting career of a director named Sidney Lumet. Yes. Who who Kevin appears to be on a, a on a first name basis with a, a nickname Sid. <laughs> I did, this 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 conversation is going to embarrass me because it's going to betray how little I know. I pretend to be such a historian of film, but I haven't seen hardly any of Sidney Lumet's films. Yeah. And. Uh, but I thank Kevin for suggesting this movie because it, I, I want to watch more of those films. Dog Day Afternoon is a movie that has been high on Monique and, my, uh, and mine's list for a long time. It's just like we have that list of movies, so we've got to watch that, we've got to watch that. Uh, I really want to see Serpico. I feel like that was kind of his peak in the, in the 70s. I have seen 12 Angry Men, the 1957 version, which is a really fantastic film. Uh, but that's really about it. Like, I haven't seen many of his movies. Haven't even seen The Wiz. Uh, <laughs> Have you not seen The Wiz? <laughs> I was excited to watch this movie. I thought it was a really cool suggestion. It was right up my alley. I, I loved it. Yeah. I thought it, I thought it was a great. I thought it was a great film. Uh, I really, really, really enjoyed it. Uh, not up my alley. Made me <laughs> incredibly sad, and I don't like to feel a lot of these feelings that this film made mm. me feel. But it is a very, very good film. I, I think it's a. It's an excellent piece of filmmaking. And I'm excited to talk about it because there's one key thing that I, that I think is, uh, dare I say, inventive for the, for the time, even though it's not that long mm-hmm. ago. Um, but we, we, we can get into it. Where, is there a certain uh, pl- place that you want to start? Well, let's start with the very first shot of the film. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I, think Kevin. I feel like I learned a lot about Kevin in a hurry. What really drew me to this film was seeing a guy with my body type get the hot girl. I mean, really, it's an attention grabber. It's, yeah, that's yeah. part of the sort of the trend setting type type things. It grabs your attention. You come you come into this film hot, <laughs> like yeah. it's I mean, it's it's the art version of coming in with an explosion. In my opinion, yes. you know, it's yes. it's you are you're you're at attention uh, in several yeah. ways. I was at attention. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, moving on. Tell me your process here. Oh, <laughs> how much time do you have? My my process. <laughs> the the main thing that I take away from this film that I think is the A plus uh, part of this film is the pace of it. The, mm. the pace of this film, I, I think it is a master class. If you want to learn how to pace out your scenes and give the appropriate information, like the exact amount of information that you need to invest emotionally and not stay one second too long in that scene, to get in late and to leave early, like this is the film to watch. This yeah. is the, it's the best film I've ever seen in that regard, where it moved so quickly and I got to know everything I needed to know. Not one second of this film was wasted or, uh, in any capacity. 
And there's, I think, a lot of contributing factors to it. You have to give the director credit, ultimately. But I, I, I want to lean towards the writing. I want to, I want to, I want to give credit to the writer for, I, I assume, who crafted this story. In, in terms of how they told the story was also very interesting too, but we'll get to that in a second. But, but knowing exactly what you need to get out of every single scene. There's a purpose, there's a goal, they achieve it, and they achieve it like this. And there's not a second wasted. And it's, it's, that was beautiful to me. It was be beautiful to, to watch. The pacing was, was wonderful. I loved the structure. I loved, uh, I loved the, the non-linear structure, especially in the beginning, where it was like really intentional about what information it was parsing out to you. So you st as you start to realize it's non-linear, and you start to realize that, I don't know, like, like the way people were connected, like the way all the characters were interconnected, which you don't know at first. I love that so much. There's so many, there's, yeah, I don't know, four or five big moments at the beginning, probably most notably when they're at the, the daughter's school play and you see that that's his parents, that's his mom who was shot earlier. Like, that's like, oh my God. And then so you're left wondering, like, why would they rob their own mom? How could they, how could they do that? And then you find out, okay, it wasn't supposed to be her, uh, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. I love the way that was all revealed um, just beautifully. I love that it's not like overly complicated. I know that might seem weird because it's nonlinear, but it's a very clean, you know, <laughs> in some respects, simple story. And that goes a long way. And, and, and simple direction. Like, you yeah. know, not getting in the way of the story. We're just letting the story run the show and, and, and great performances. A, a, a thousand percent. I was going to say it. The, 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 if, if the story is told, told linearly, it, 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 this film might not be nearly as good, mm -hmm. which I think says to the bigger point to filmmakers, it's how you tell the story. It, it, is, yeah. it is the director's and writer's and, and performances, obviously. I mean, like, it's all of those craft elements. It's how, how we decide to tell this story. That means, that means the most, and I think nothing was more evident than watching this film, because if you tell it a different way, it, it, might, it might suck. Like, it might be boring. It might, yeah. But the way that they did, the way you're divulged information, how quickly it moves, where we go, seeing these things weave, seeing the tales of scenes weave into the beginning of a scene, yeah, you, saw, yeah, you know, like that. all that love sort that. of stuff. It, it holds your interest, it makes you sit up, it makes you lean in, it makes you be a little detective where there's really no mystery to be had. It's, yeah. it's a it was a really, just a really well-made film. Really well-made Yeah, like film. you know what's going to happen the whole time. And then it's just, how did we get here and where do we go? Yeah. Like that, that's... Yeah. That's really interesting. Yeah. It's really interesting. A, a shitty version of this film <laughs> is, tells the story of these two guys leading up to a bank heist that ends in that chaos. The much better film is we know that the film, uh, that this bank robbery doesn't go well. We're just going to watch these lives fall apart, which is just yeah. far more interesting than just watching yeah. the build up to a bank robbery, in, yeah. in my opinion. So. And the film probably, you know, no doubt due to the, the director who, uh, you know, was, was sort of a king of, of 70s cinema, felt very throwback in terms of its overall, uh, I thought, style uh, and its sort of its simplicity in some ways, which is, I mean, only as a compliment. Um, I, thought, I thought the fact that it felt kind of stripped down, it wasn't trying to be, like, cool. Mm -hmm. None of these people are cool. And, yeah. and the style of the film is not cool. It's just sort of like the camera is doing what it needs to do to show you this story of like tragic 
misery and greed. <laughs> like it's it's just it it doesn't get in its own way. And I think under under the direction of a lot of other filmmakers, it would probably stumble here and there in that regard. Um, I love that all of it feels so relatable. Uh, and Kevin Tell more. talks. <laughs> Kevin talks a little about this. Kevin, you implicated someone. Also, uh, I have a cousin who had the perfect plan uh, one time, and it went all sorts of wrong. So I could relate to that as well. Kevin, come on. <laughs> so Kevin brings up an interesting point, uh, which have is something I want to ask you a family about. member? Is that what we're? Is that where we're going? <laughs> we'll get there. We'll get there. <laughs> what I think is one of the most powerful things about this film is that, and this, I read a review that says like, this movie is like almost like a Rorschach test that tells more about how you think about things than what it's telling you. Mm -hmm. Um, And so maybe that's what, this is what they mean by that, which is, to me it felt very, you know, shitty, (laughs) shittily, but like accessible. Where it made the point to me that like, we're all just a couple of bad things away from maybe being seduced by this kind of situation. I love that it's like, uh, like this is super judgmental, but it's like a poor people heist movie. Like, yes, Ocean's Eleven is fun, but these guys seem real, where it's like 60 grand is gonna change your life. And I'm not a wealthy man, and I don't have 60 grand in the bank, but you know, 60 grand's not enough for me to commit armed robbery. You know what I mean? But this is like, this is gonna change our lives. And I I love all of that, because it feels very, Real. Real. Kevin talks about the cast, star-studded. Kevin? <laughs> Talk about a star-studded cast. Unbelievable. It's a great cast. It, there's, there's, there's not much you could say. We can spend very little time because from top to bottom, I feel like these are all very talented performers. Um, Philip Seymour Hoffman is, is, is one of the all-time greats. Yeah, I was going to leave, leave you to talk about the cast because I know you're, you're a big acting guy, a, a huge actor yourself. Uh, true, true uh, American talent in terms of acting. Yeah. So you recognize those sort of things. But yes, they're the great. The only way this film could have been better if it was, if it was, was I was in it, if the performance is wise. Um, I, I was shocked. I immediately looked up if it, what awards it won. Zero. <laughs> I mean, small things here and there, but... No, even... I don't think any nominations. nominations. Uh, and that is bullshit, in my opinion. It's crazy. <laughs> I think that was kind of bullshit. I am, I am for performances... How are no zero performances? Or... Well, I'll tell you. I'll tell you. Tell me. At least partially, is I saw that Philip Seymour Hoffman was also nominated that year for another movie as a supporting actor. So he was nominated for Charlie Wilson's War, which I've also never seen, and I, I don't think made a tremendous impression on the world. No offense. But, like, so I feel like there's, there must have been some hesitancy. Like, like what just... did Sidney Lumet do to the <laughs> Academy voters... <laughs> That nothing's even nominated. This this great, a well-reviewed movie. film yeah. sitting at eighty-eight percent right now. Well-respected director from fifty-year career. He's eighty-three years old. He comes back. He makes this like great gritty film. Seems very strange that nobody's nominated for any of it. Yeah, and even best picture. I thought this is worthy. Has the unfortunate. It has the misfortune of being the same year as No Country for Old Men. Right. And there will be blood, which are probably two of the three best films of this century so far. Uh, so that's yeah. I don't tough. expect it, it wasn't to win. win. Yeah, I don't, and I don't yeah. expect it to win. But to not be nominated in in any <laughs> regard, it, yeah. th- that seems that seems like a big miss because this does feel also very Oscar baity. Like it just it feels like an Oscar type 
film that the, like the Oscars would fall in love with. Yeah, I don't know it's why. Certainly worthy. Certainly worthy. A yeah. throwback to a, a different genre by a master of that that time yeah. and that genre. So, so yes, performance is wonderful. Philip Seymour Hoffman is great in everything. He's great from top to bottom. I love him in this that he does a lot of uh, his character is so so deep uh, and intriguing. Where it's like sometimes you can kind of see, I don't know, you can see, you can be empathetic a little bit. We're like, okay, this guy's struggling too. He's not a bad guy at heart, but then like he does such horrible things, and once, especially once he loses complete control of every situation. And so that's a really, you know, that's a really great job. You, uh, the, my favorite part of his performance, there was two parts that really stuck out to me. The number one thing that stuck out to me was how difficult it was how much effort it took him to pull the trigger when he started mm-hmm. killing people. And then... Oh, as he yeah, got, yeah. He's like, pause. Yeah, but as he got used to it, it got easier for him. And then yeah. when he was going to pull the trigger again for his brother, it became... Like, it's, it's subtle. It's small. And, you know, if it's his, it's the director's. It's a combination of both. But, but that subtle detail is, is so rich in character and so rich in motivation. It lets you in on so much about this story yeah. with just how, just this, just, and he's holding the pillow and he's trying to, can I squeeze this? Can I really do this? Am I really this person? And he is. <laughs> he is such a good actor. A shame yeah. he, is, he is not around anymore. Yeah, yeah, 100%. So, oh yeah, and lastly, I just want to say in, in the performances, Ethan Hawke, great. Marissa Tomei, great. Uh, Albert Finney, who, I'm, who I know and I recognize, but I haven't seen a bunch of his stuff either over the years. And he brought me to tears at one point when he first arrived to the jewelry store and, and, and like lifted up the police yeah, tape yeah. and went in there. And that's my wife. Like it was just, it wasn't so much. It wasn't uh, Sean Penn in. Uh, uh, Mystic, not Mystic Pizza. Yeah, Mystic, Mystic River. River. <laughs> yeah, which is great too, right? I mean, that's one of the, that's a fucking jaw dropping performance in that scene. But he, Albert but Finney gets me almost the same way with just like a look in his eye, like this wild eye yeah. as he starts to realize what might be happening. And, and, and then it cuts to your, the pacing, just out. It just gets you yeah, just, just enough, enough to like, huh, huh. Like, yeah, really, really good stuff. Excellent. What, do you have any other compliments before we, I, I have we just fucking drag this film? I have, I have one major, major criticism. There's one thing huh. I truly disliked about the film. Ah, I, I, I bet I know what it is. I bet you know what it is, too. Yeah, it's uh, the other holdover from 70s filmmaking that is, that is in this. What is it? The the transition, the transition, transition. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That uh, those transitions are, are brutal. I I hate the transitions, and I hate the just the dip to black. I I, I with the with the aggressive this transition I'll, as I'll refer to it. Uh, <laughs> it it I like the audio part of it. It built it, it some energy and it left me like hanging like it was the the. Yeah, audio. it sounds like a jet engine firing up. <laughs> But I, that I had less of a problem with. Like, it just seemed like someone with uh, iMovie were just like, what? We should just cut it, right? We just do rapid cuts and then it's over. And it seemed so amateur and it seemed so uh, just amateur. It, it didn't seem good at all. It seemed like someone didn't know how to edit or what they were doing to make those transitions. They could have done a thousand different things to, to create those transitions. And it was bad. I'm sure that what. I'm sure that was a stylistic choice. Of course, of course director. it was. It was a bad one. Because I, because I feel like that, that, that reminded me of the 70s too. 
So maybe that was the goal, if we're trying to give credit for the thought, is like, we're making like a throwback to 70s gritty crime films. Let's let's use those same kind of transitions we might have used in 1973. I don't know. I didn't like it. And to take that a step further, I think the editing might be the weakest part of this film as a whole. Okay. Uh, the pacing, good. And that's a, that's a big part of the editor's work, for sure. But I'm, I'm sure the director sat in on that. But there were not a bunch, but several cuts just to within the same scene that were not great. Like, like kind of like, ooh, that didn't feel right. And that's a hard thing to uh, qualify. Um, but there was uh, one most noticeable, if we can find it, is... Um, <laughs> I remember because I was writing down... You always give me these needles. These yeah, needles in I'm going to tell you exactly where it is, though. Okay, um, great. Somewhere between the half hour mark and the hour <laughs> and a half mark. Because <laughs> um, I was writing down... Uh, that's that's a lot of cleavage at a funeral. Uh, when when Marissa <laughs> that's Tomei your, was like... note? <laughs> picking out the prosciutto or whatever at the counter in the kitchen after the, the mom's funeral. And she like turns around. And she's like, "You got a bathing suit on?" I'm like, there's this, I have a theory that that this movie's so dark and 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 depressing that Sidney Lumet's like, "Okay, every half hour we're gonna have to have Marissa take her top, take her top, like, it's just <laughs> just to, like break up the monotony of, of how heavy everything just is. Just people something to hope for, just a little. Yeah, yeah I was like, oh well, in a little while because every every scene, every other scene. But no, in that scene, I don't know. It's like when she gets the phone call or whatever. There's just like a, a weird cut where the frame is not different enough from the one that preceded it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Where it's just like, it almost looks like a jump error cut. It's not. But there's little examples like that where I just thought like, eh, the editing here is not as crisp as one might like. Yeah. I, on a similar note, I, I noticed, tell me if you noticed the same thing. I, I felt like there was a handful of shots that got overexposed. The, the, well, the one at the end was intentional, obviously. What, what others? Yes, not that. <laughs> There was a couple outside shots. I, I remember uh, uh, like a cab, one, one of the cabs coming in. It's like that yellow is like super hot. And, and again, maybe a stylistic choice. Like the streets, like the outside stuff, could just felt like we just need to stop lower, guys. Like we just, can we? Yeah. Uh, and, and there was- I caught that a little bit. Th- there was one in the, in the perspective from mm-hmm. Ethan Hawke inside the car when, when the guy gets shot or whatever. And I think you just like hear it. Like, there was a weird kind of jump cut that felt weird, and it just, to something that was, like, a little blown out. And then I was like, I guess that's stylistic, because there's no way that they, yeah. like, thought that was a good idea. But then I noticed little uh, random pockets, and I was like, maybe they don't know? I, I just, I didn't know. I, it caught my attention. Maybe it was stylistic, but it caught my attention. I, and I had a thought, and maybe I'm wrong. I kind of wanted to see one wrap-up scene with... Ethan Hawke's character. I, I did think that too. It's like after I was like, oh, I guess that's it for him. <laughs> it, it was a little peculiar, but but in general, it, then I started to think about like his story. His story is he 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 gets away with it. He to me, I was like, oh, he's the silver lining, because he's the best character out of all of them. You know, of all the yeah, but just because he's got a good heart, like he's he's an accessory and he's the cause a of thousand percent. Deaths. I mean, this is a t- this is a awful story you know, you know. <laughs> uh, but I guess it's just something to it's something to be a little bit happy for like he gets the money he's he's got a daughter who he's going to be able to take care of and he's gonna you know there's some happiness implied but you don't need to you, this movie shouldn't show us that but if as a viewer if you want to take that away you can and that's what I did so I didn't just continue to cry myself to sleep yeah see I sort of assumed that he 
is fucked too. I, I, I don't know why he wouldn't be also fucked. But maybe that's part of the point is that the dad at the end was willing to overlook his young favorite son's right. participation, probably assuming that the older bad seed brother is the one that talked him into it anyways. So they're all just going to pretend everything's fine for the rest of their lives. That's, yeah, I think there's enough maybe. groundwork, in my opinion... Going back to your point of the of like what's the audience want wants to see like I want to find a happy ending out of this film because it's so yeah. sad for me <laughs> to watch, so I want to say like he oh. prays he goes home takes care of his daughter he prays really hard he resurrects all the dead people <laughs> <laughs> exactly <laughs> they all eat Lucky Charms <laughs> it's, it's magical it's magically delicious it's the director's cut <laughs> yeah so but you who only wants to see things go worse and worse until everyone's dead and awful. So then it's what you get to see. So that might just I think be. he rounded the corner with the money. He got hit by a school bus mm-hmm. full of kids, and the bus driver swerved, yep, went over a cliff. Those kids drowned, all of them. Landed on a hospital. Yeah. <laughs> Back to Marissa Tomei. <laughs> Here's the thing. Here's what I honestly thought in this film. Is the first scene, it's a larger conversation. It's not just about her. It's about sex scenes in films. Okay. And so I feel like those nowadays have kind of gone out of vogue a little bit. They're not quite as prevalent as they once were. I think they can abso- they absolutely, obviously, without saying, can serve a tremendous purpose uh, when required for the story. I think in the 80s that they just put them in because it was like fun and you're going to see an R-rated film, you're expecting to see some boobies. So it's just like that time has passed. So now this movie is, you know, 14, 15 years ago, so it was from a different era. But I wonder, like, from a storyteller standpoint, how does one justify? Is Do you think there's a deeper justification for her being naked all the time? Like, from a story standpoint. The first scene, sure, you're, you're introducing maybe Philip Seymour. You're introducing the fact that this is going to be a gritty adult thing right away. That serves that purpose. You're introducing the fact that uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman has a passionate relationship with his wife at that point in time, which is the point of contention yep. throughout the rest yeah, of the film. Yeah, yeah, that's important. And you're introducing maybe his narcissism that he's looking in the mirror the whole time while they're having sex. Yep. But there's two or three other times where she's naked. And I, I want to the say there's three times. I think there's three times. So two other times. Yeah, two we other know, times. Keith knows specifically. <laughs> yes. The first one and is a minute and 39 seconds long. <laughs> yeah. The second one is exactly 18 seconds long. Yes. <laughs> the shadow on the nipple is... <laughs> uh, no, I, I want to say there was three times. Two of them were with Philip Seymour Hoffman, and one yeah. is with the, the brother. And I think all yeah. of them are justified. We should write a whole book about... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, Kevin. I, 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 Kevin, get get on that book, please. Give us a Tomei on the horn, please. And uh, <laughs> hey, Scott, now we out. Hey. Sorry, I had a bear in the potatoes. Well, I'll ask you this question: Do you ever want to uh, direct a, a, a sex scene? I mean, sure. It's not something I think about. I've I've, uh, I was like assistant director slash grip. I mean, this is what kind of small production we're talking about on a sex scene before. No, no, so I'm sorry. Not just a sex scene. Like a, like a nude, like yeah. graphic scene. Yeah. yeah, no, it was nude and graphic. Okay, because <laughs> yeah. I haven't done nude and graphic. <laughs> Implied, yeah. yes. Not, not a, 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 you know, to this level. 
not to yeah. this level. I don't want to do yeah, it. Yeah, it's what I think is super funny. <laughs> this is whatever we're going. Uh, what I think is super funny is like you watch a film like this film at the beginning or, or any film that has like a, a pretty graphic sex scene, and, and you might think like, "Wow, that that was really hot." Like I bet that was like, "Wow, oh, no, lucky awful. guy <laughs> or lucky gal, whatever the case may be." I I think that's probably less than one percent of all sex scenes oh. in the moment are ever like they're awful. <laughs> they, they, it's weird. It's a weird energy. I've I've been in implied ones myself. Uh, and you're just mostly like giggling because you're just like, this is really weird, yeah, like this... awkwardly giggling. <laughs> yeah. Or the one that I helped shoot that was a lot more graphic than the ones I've been in personally, everyone's just like like looking down, I'm holding a boom mic, like, oh, Jesus. Yeah, it's, you know? it's... And, and the, and the people, the actors are like weird, but trying to like get into it, you know? And then the harder they try to get into it, you're just like, eh. and then, you know, the actors are feeling kind of awkward. Yeah. Like even if they're attracted to each other, it's not it's... like a sexy time. No, it is not a sexy time. I love the the quick anecdote about Eyes Wide Shut, which is a great movie by the by the master Stanley Kubrick. His final film uh, that he he wanted so much to get intimate, you know, really intimate, real scenes between Tom Cruise and Nicole Kidman. That in most of, if not all of their nude scenes, he just ran the camera himself with zero crew, kicked everybody out. It was just the three of them in there. And so that I, I would guess if you really wanted to try to get like most times, you have to do something like that. Like that, yeah. Um, yeah, you can't have you, fifteen people. Yeah. You know, guys snacking Some on apples. 19 year old best boy is just like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. eating Cheetos really slowly. <laughs> mm, mm. <laughs> you just can't. Do it, do some more. Do it slowly. <laughs> do it very slowly. Very slowly. Do it, do some more. Do it very slowly. Who wants this shit? We gotta do True Lies. Sorry. Fucking, we just did it. It's perfect. <laughs> the end. The end. True Lies fucking rules. Oh, it's so good. Uh, All right, True was, Lies. Coming soon. Love that. That'll be made. That's like our Christmas treat to ourselves. It'll be our Christmas it present be to ourselves. A Christmas episode Lies. would be great. I fucking love it. Let's just do True Lies right now. Right I'm fired now. up. I'm I could probably quote the whole movie top to bottom right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We do half the episode right now. Okay, sorry, Kevin. Uh, we're back, Kevin. <laughs> we're back. He loves True Lies too, we're so he's fine with it. Who doesn't love True Lies? If you don't like fucking True Lies, yeah. At me. I, I want to hear about it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Tear you apart. Okay. What are we talking about again? Great talking to you, Ev. See ya.